0: The show is dedicated to helping you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Thank you for joining me today, everybody. Are you looking for a good book to read that will maximize your net worth? Well, fancy that. I have just the thing for you. I've developed a list of books that were super influential to me in taking our net worth from negative $50,000 to positive $650,000 in just seven years. You can check out these epic personal finance books at marriagekidsandmoney.com books. If you decide to buy one of those books or really anything through that Amazon link, you are supporting this show. Thank you very much for considering it, my friends. That link again is marriagekidsandmoney.com books. If you're more into listening to books instead of reading them, you could also go to Audible and download your first audiobook for free with the link, marriagekidsmoney.com slash audible. You'll be getting filled up with money smart knowledge, and you'll be supporting this show. What a win-win. Thank you very much for considering it, guys. Before we jump into the show, I have a 2017 goal update for you all. At the beginning of the year, I set a couple goals. One was to run a marathon, and the other was to pay off our family mortgage. Well... As of yesterday afternoon, I'm officially a Marathon Man. <laughs> it was actually a pretty unique race because the course went, it went into two different countries. We started in downtown Detroit, crossed over the Ambassador Bridge into Windsor, Ontario, and came back through the underwater tunnel, back into Detroit, and finished in the downtown area. So, very cool. For those of you who haven't visited Detroit in a while, or you've never visited Detroit, because uh, it's probably not on the top of vacation lists, I would put it on your list for the summer of 2018. Uh, I tell people to avoid, like, our winters, like the plague. The summer and the fall, gorgeous time of year to be here. The changes that have been happening over the last five years downtown, are incredible. Absolutely incredible. A new light rail for public transportation's gone in, new condos, award-winning restaurants, and super cool boutique hotels. I swear, it's like a whole new city. Anyway, that's my little plug for the D. the Best kept secret in the Midwest. (laughs) So my wife, Nicole, and I both checked off the marathon off of our bucket lists by age 35. So, we're both very proud that we finished, but I got to be I got to be honest with you guys. That was freaking hard. I totally underestimated the difficulty of that race. I kept a um, pretty solid 9:30 pace, 9 minute and 30 second pace until around the 13 mile mark. And that's that's pretty much what I've done in the past these half marathons, so I was pretty feeling pretty confident about that. But then around 13, 14, 15 miles, my legs started to feel like two super heavy tree trunks and man, it just went down from hill there. My, <laughs> my pace slowed dramatically and I ended up finishing with an average 11 minute, pa- <laughs> 11 minute pace. Not my best, but hey, I've never done a marathon before. I finished, I didn't stop running. Uh, it didn't thunderstorm like we thought it was gonna do. They, they were potentially gonna cancel the race. So all those good things happened. and my wife and I did it together. But uh, it, it, I, it honestly, it took, it took everything in me just to, just to keep going. <laughs> but we finished. Again, we ate a great big lunch and came home and we crashed. Man, I think we went to bed at like 8 o'clock. <laughs> Thank you, Grandma, for watching the kids so we can severely beat up our bodies until we can barely walk. Um, I really appreciate you helping us out. You rock. Anyway, just wanted to give you guys all that update, uh, just so you know that I'm not BSing with my goals. (laughs) I share because I want you guys all to hold me accountable too, so I really appreciate that. Thank you. Okay, let's crack into today's show. Increasing your savings, making more money, and amassing wealth can have a huge impact on your personal finances. Your wealth can allow you to buy things that bring you a lot of joy. It can allow you to experience incredible vacations, and it can even allow you to create more free time for yourself. For some people, building wealth isn't just all about personal enjoyment. It's about leaving a legacy for your family. Nicole and I aren't quite at the spot where our kids' college is completely taken care of, or we haven't set up an account for them when they get to adulthood for... I guess those extra things in life. But we sure would love to do that someday. We just want to make sure our retirement goals are set first. Because as you've probably heard, there are no retirement loans. As least, at least as as I know. <laughs> but it's never too early to learn about these options we'll have in the future for taking care of our Zoe and Calvin and continuing a strong legacy for our family. After all, the theme of this show is about strengthening your family tree. That way, the Hill family and all of your families can grow, prosper, and hopefully leave the world a better place than when we found it. On the show today, I've invited a family-focused financial planner that is going to be discussing smart tax-efficient options for securing our family's legacy. Cameron Hendricks is a certified financial planner with the advisory firm Financial Symmetry. Cameron works with a variety of clients to help them secure their safe retirement and make plans for the family's future. He recently wrote a book called Where Family and Finance Meet. I had a chance to get that book and read through it. Great read. It focuses on how we can align our finances with our family values, which is super appropriate for this conversation we're having on the show today, as well as this Overall, family-focused podcast. (laughs) On the show today, Cameron and I discuss how we can plan for our kids to go to college, why cash might be the worst gift you can give your kids. Very interesting. And lastly, what tax-efficient routes are available to leave the best legacy for our children. If you're interested in leaving a legacy for your children, but don't know some of the best routes to get there, join us for the next 30 minutes. I learned a lot from Cameron, and I know you will too without further ado, let's learn the ways of family-focused financial planning with Financial Symmetry Advisor Cameron Hendricks. Welcome, everybody. We've got an excellent guest today, Cameron Hendricks. How's it going, Cameron? Hey, Andy. Good. How are you doing? I am great. I'm great. Cameron, can you tell us a little bit about yourself?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me, Andy. Uh, My name is Cameron Hendricks. I'm a certified financial planner uh, at Financial Symmetry. Which were are a independent RIA in Raleigh, North Carolina, and I uh, recently authored the book Where Family and Finance Meet. Um, so really excited about that, and uh, actually that book's got a little more meaning to me now as um, I just found out uh, my wife and I are expecting twins at the end wow, of the year. Wow, that's great yeah. news, man!
0: Congratulations! That's yeah, huge. thank you. Very thank cool. You. So, What's the due uh, date?
1: Uh, I, it should be around Christmas, actually. Oh, um, that's great! Uh, what an excellent yeah.
0: Christmas present. <laughs>
1: Yeah, absolutely. So definitely the whole family finance thing's taking a new meaning for me. Wow.
0: Yeah. So so you launched a, a book in twenty seventeen and now you're you're creating a family of four all in twenty seventeen. Oh my god. That's
1: right, that's right. We're doubling all at once.
0: <laughs> <laughs> We've been well, busy. That is great news, man. That's great. And and you even have a, a dog Charlie as well, right? Yep, yeah, Charlie's in the mix. Uh, so we're having two twin boys. Uh, so my wife's gonna be a little outnumbered with all the boys in the house. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is great news. That's a great way to start off the conversation. So tell us a little bit about what where family and finance meet is all about. Your new book. Yeah,
1: it's uh, it's about um, really what I call the family focused individual. Um, so what it what it is is it, I go through various financial planning topics and talk about how uh, that family finance uh, focused individual can um, really use their finances to best benefit their family. Uh, So the direct impact with uh, using their resources uh, to benefit their family now and in the future.
0: Excellent. Well, you've obviously got a a growing family yourself. um, But as you were thinking about the book and and, and planning for it, what what inspired you to, to write the book? Really, it's
1: my experience meeting with clients. You know, they come in with different aspirations and big financial decisions to make as far as, uh, you know, should I retire or uh, should we be buying a new house or saving for our kids' college? And really, it kept coming back to this driving factor that family was – Um, you know, what they were going to base their decision on. Uh, So I thought that that was uh, really important. It resonated with me, and I wanted to help kind of bring it all together um, for these clients and others that, you know, kind of thought the same way. Uh, So I decided to put it all down in a book.
0: That makes a lot of sense. Obviously, a lot of the big decisions that we have in our lives, especially with regard to our money, all have family uh, associated with them. So, I I had a chance to to read your book and thank you so much for sending it to me I really appreciated that um I wanted to go through a couple high level areas of the book to really draw out some great knowledge for people and, and actually some interesting topics for me that I was um Viewing for the first time, or, or some, you know, some different types of ways of looking at things. So, if you're okay with it, just want to open up the cr- crack, open the book a little bit, and uh, and uh, and and share some knowledge. So, yeah, let's do it. Excellent, So, so uh, retirement planning. <clears throat> you had a very interesting way of engaging people with regard to their retirement. We talk about retirement, and it's just sort of like almost this ethereal way you know uh, when i'm retired i'm gonna relax and i, I you know I'm, I'm i'm gonna just go golfing and and be happy right uh, uh, but you you ask these three probing questions uh, about retirement to get people to think a little a little harder about really what they want w- would you mind taking us through a couple of those, co- those those three questions and then i guess just tell us what the point of that exercise would be sure
1: sure With so with retirement you know it we see on TV or wherever, you know, kind of the sandy beaches and the Gulf and, you know, every day kind of thing is kind of like an extended vacation, which that very well may be what you're kind of looking at retirement as, um, you know, being in your future. Uh, but what I try to do was provide these questions to get the reader to start thinking about what they truly want their retirement to look like. And basically what I mean there is how do they want to spend their time, how they want to spend their resources in retirement. Uh, so I go through these questions, um, the first one being, you know, just why do you want to retire? What do you want your retirement to look like? So kind of what I just reiterated there and kind of what um, a big picture, what do you want your retirement to be? You know, is it that golf and beaches or is it more of a you move to a part time job? Uh, you move to something that uh, you're a little more passionate about, maybe a volunteer opportunity to spending time with the grandkids, whatever it may be, just thinking about it and having a plan for what you want to do. Um, And then the second question being, you know, you saved all this money throughout all these years. You've been working 30, 40 years, uh, but what is this money for? You know, it gets kind of a routine to contribute to the 401k and it becomes automatic and it starts, you know, you see it increase over time, ideally. And you're wondering, you know, what is all that money? What am I going to do with all that money? Um, So it's basically, is that money going to provide you peace of mind throughout retirement? Is it something you're going to use to help, um, you know, as far as enjoying with your family, uh, being able to do some things that you may not have been able to do while you were working? uh, Or is it something that you're going to be generous with and help those in the community? Um, So just determining what you want your resources to help you do. And then the third question being, um, when will your retirement start and how long will it last? And that's a little harder question um, than it sounds like on the surface because, you know, we may not know when the retirement will start or how long it will last. Um, you know, it just depends on our life expectancy, that kind of thing. Um, and Especially with health, you know, we may want to retire, work till we're 65, 70, but because of health reasons, we may have to retire uh, earlier than planned. Uh, so how does that impact your plan? Um, so just – going through those questions trying to get an idea of what you want your ideal retirement to look like it kind of touches on some of the items outside of the specific finances it gets into some of those emotional items of retirement
0: well it makes a lot of sense you know as i was reading it i've been maxing out my 401k and, and maxing out the roths for both my wife and i and i you know i, I thought about it as those questions were coming through on the page being like how much do I need? I mean, I'm, 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 I'm still probably 25 years away from, you know, the, the quote unquote retirement age. But, uh, you know, as, as you were asking those questions, what is this money for? How am I going to use it? I'm just kind of throwing it all in there at this point, and then <laughs> And then I guess I'll see where it ends in the end. But I, I, those, those questions helped me, helped me to think a little bit more thoroughly about what I'm saving for. How much is enough? Uh, so I, I appreciated that. So uh, you mentioned a little something there about when people are in retirement, you know, not everybody's going to do the sandy beaches or, or the golf. And you shared a statistic that the, the majority of people are actually still working in some capacity in retirement. What, is, what does that actually tell us about our, our actual retirement needs? Should we reallocate our plans based on our thoughts of what we're actually interested in in retirement? Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
1: You know, and, and a lot of it will depend on what stage of life you're in. So if you are in your 20s, 30s, early 40s, uh, you still have so much time until this actual uh, retirement that you do want to continue to keep saving, you know, as much as you can, and mainly mainly because that that's just going to give you options later on down the road. Um, you know, some of those that are in their 50s and approaching retirement, um, maybe they start to adjust their plan as okay, I'm planning on working full time until age 60. To say and then uh you know going more of a part-time role through age 65 and then looking at really kind of a second kind of career for the next five to ten years after that um, so whatever it is you want uh your retirement to be you know it's going to ad- adjust what your plan is as far as your are saving but yeah really the, the basis of it is um most folks Don't plan on quitting just, you know, cold turkey, retirement, just like that. You know, it's hard to do. You've worked your whole life and then all of a sudden you're not going to work. And, you know, it it basically comes down to you need to have something that you're retiring to and not just retiring from. Um, You know, you need to have something to keep you busy, keep the mind um, active. And whether that's a part time job or whatever it is, um, you know, it needs to be in place.
0: Okay. Well, what about the impatient folks out there that uh, don't want to wait to fifty nine and a half or sixty two or sixty seven? Are, are, are you meeting with clients and talking to them about uh, early retirement options? And obviously, that that's where you know the the four hundred one k and the IRAs might not might not help. So, are you meeting with anybody with regard to that those those options and helping plan plan uh, early retirement options?
1: Yeah, there's actually been a couple. Yeah, um, I think it's more of one of the. More recent trends uh, that I've seen coming up, you know, just listening to various podcasts, especially entrepreneurial type of things. You know, I've gotten a couple clients doing that and, uh, you know, they want to retire at 50 or, you know, 55. And I still am having them save in their 401ks, Roth IRAs, because that is going to come into play further on down the road. Um, but, yeah, they want to have some of those other investment vehicles, you know, whether that's um, just taxable investment savings or some other kind of uh, passive income that can help kind of tie them over until that 59 and a half or even further down when Social Security starts. Um, but, yeah, that's a if, if that's your goal to retire that early, then you got to start planning now It's say that's a big, big step um, and then have a plan to what, what are you going to do? When, when you're still, um, you know, in those fifties, and you know you still feel pretty good and active, and uh, what are you going to do to keep busy?
0: Absolutely, yeah. And you made that point. I mean, I think it, in your book it said something like sixty-eight percent of people are still working in, uh, in in regular retirement. So early retirement, you better you better find something <laughs> to keep your keep yourself busy. You're gonna, you know, you're gonna lose it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Well, cool. All right. Well, um, you you mentioned one section in your book uh, about gifting. This was very interesting to me. I hope to get to this point eventually in my life where I have oodles of money and uh, there's lots of cash gifts, or I'm sorry, lots of gifts in general uh, that are going out. Uh, We actually talk about, you you talk about cash gifts uh, being maybe one of the worst gifts to give. Could you tell us why that is?
1: Yeah. I mean, everybody loves uh, to get cash, so it sounds kind of funny. Um, And, of course, we would all accept that, you know, as cash as a gift. Um, But from the the person giving uh, the gift, it's actually uh, really from a tax standpoint. It's just not the most efficient manner to go about uh, giving a gift. Um, You know, there's more uh, tax-efficient ways to do so, such as giving some of the stocks or uh, mutual funds you have in your portfolio as a gift, Um, you know, whether that be directly to – uh, an individual, or to help them pay for uh, college, for per se, or um, you know some other autumn you know, a wedding or something like that coming up.
0: Okay, all right. Uh, y- you mentioned uh, UTMAs uh, in your book to provide gifts for our kids in the future. That that again piqued my interest. Obviously, I'm not quite there yet. We're still doing the 529 and and getting enough enough money in there to. Uh, you know breathe some life into college for our kids in the future Could you talk about UTMA's uh, as as an option uh, later on
1: sure it's uh, so UTMA is a uniform transfers minors account Um, so what that is is basically it's very similar to a 529 in the aspect of it's an account for um, you know a minor and and what you're doing there is gifting them money um, for future use now it can be used for college probably not the most uh, efficient way to do so. As you mentioned, the 529 is probably a better option. Uh, but the UTMA uh, is very helpful for, um, I've seen it used in some of those post-college years, uh, you know, helping the child get a head start, uh, you know, after they graduate from college, whether that be a down payment on the house, a house, uh, to help them go through graduate school, um, you know, wedding is coming up, anything like that um, really can help the, the child. Um, and basically uh, the advantage of these UTMAs is from a tax standpoint as well with the earnings in the account. Uh, so it's basically moving those positions to the child's uh, tax bracket versus the parents. Uh, so it kind of helps keep the taxes at bay. And in North Carolina, uh, those UTMA accounts become the child's at age 21, and then varies uh, for different states. Uh, but I'm familiar with the one in North Carolina.
0: So, I let's say I put in some money; it's taxed at my kid's tax rate up until 21. Is that what you said, or or at that, or is it at my rate until they turn 21?
1: Yeah, it's actually up to the 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 whole way will be at the kids' rate. Um, so the first. It's on the earnings, mm-hmm. uh, so basically, basically, the first two thousand of earnings is going to be taxed either at zero percent or at the kids' rate, so it could be ten percent or so. Uh, anything over two thousand dollars in earnings will be taxed at the parents' rate.
0: Okay, okay, got it, got it, got it. So in the beginning, as you're as you're building it up, um, it's a it's another great option, a great tax efficient option for providing your kids uh, some monetary gift in the future as opposed to cash.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, it really just, you know, utilizing that UTMA, it it just comes down to what you want the gift to be used for. Uh, So if it is for college, you know, maybe you look at a different route, but if it's for something else, then you could use the UTMA.
0: Got it. Well, I, I married into a beautiful Chaldean culture here in Michigan, and a big part of that culture is having glorious weddings. So I I see college and then I see my my daughter's wedding after that being another maybe yeah. <laughs> a college size cost. <laughs> so maybe that's something I should save up for too. each. Isn't that crazy? You heard that right. $25 is their most expensive plan actually. And Tello is running a special offer for MKM listeners right now. Check out Tello today at marriagekidsandmoney.com/tello. That's marriagekidsandmoney.com/tello and use the code MKM20 to get 20% off on your first month of service for any Telo plan above that $10 per month mark. Again, use MKM20 to get 20% off at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Telo, and you'll be supporting this show. Hurry up. The code is valid until April 19th, 2024. marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Telo. Very cool. Well, so uh, you, you also mentioned... Um, the annual gift limit. Obviously, this is something that um, I'm, I'm interested in when you know when when we hit when we hit it big <laughs> down the road. But yeah, could you tell us a little bit about how that gift limit works? Uh, I understand it's it's got a limit of fourteen thousand per year. But maybe you could tell us a little bit about how that works and and and, and other strategies maybe to to get around that limit.
1: Yeah, so fourteen thousand per year, and it adjusts uh, each year when the IRS comes out with their new numbers. But generally around that amount. Uh, is your annual gift limit, uh, and if if you end up going over that, um, you, you can, and there's no immediate um, penalty or anything like that for going over. What happens is, if you go over that $14,000, uh, it goes against your lifetime estate tax exemption, uh, which is... You know, over five million dollars for an individual, Hmm. and it's basically eleven million dollars for a married couple. Um, So, a lot of folks it won't ever come into play for them. So it ends up being you know okay if you go over that fourteen thousand dollar amount. But in general, try to keep it around there just in case. Um, It actually for married couples you can do fourteen thousand each, so basically twenty eight thousand total. Or if you had a, uh, for example, your your daughter gets married. And you can end up giving 14000 to her, 14000 to her husband. And so there's ways you can end up giving a little bit more uh, than that $14,000 exactly. Um, and then actually, if, if you know you're gifting for college or uh, – there's another example as in medical expenses. If you give directly to the college versus the child, then you can bypass that uh, gift tax limit.
0: Got it. And then if, in the wedding case, if I just – Gifted, or i i paid a portion of it directly to the wedding vendor or how, however that would work would that be a way to get around it as well
1: uh in that case I, no i don't believe so And it typically needs to be uh they give the example of college and medical so you know you, yeah you can't give it to you know for example the car dealership to buy them a car or the <laughs> wedding vendor and you know, that kind of thing it's more on the uh, college and medical expenses got
0: it i'm trying to be sneaky cool well uh we talked a little bit about gifts in general outside of college let's talk about that college planning uh as as parents and as you are probably thinking about that a lot more now with twin boys on the way (laughs) yeah thanks for reminding me (laughs) (laughs) so in the book you you discuss there's this point where and and we're we're there right now my my, we're lucky enough more my my wife stays home with the kids Um, so we don't pay the daycare, but we do pay for preschool. And then, so there's the point where you talk about in your book between daycare costs and college costs. And this is at the point where the kids start going to kindergarten and the parents start to upgrade their lives a little bit because they got the extra cash because they're not paying for daycare or they're not paying for pre-K. What, what would you propose Obviously, we're in the college plating section. What would you What would you propose that they do with their money and uh, and and to save up for college?
1: Yeah, and this is very common. Um, you know, with it, with those paying daycare and even those paying, you know, just maybe a portion to pre care something like that um, is very costly. It can be just as expensive as uh, you know as college tuition would be. Uh, so huge chunks of the income is going towards these daycare expenses. So when the child reaches you know kindergarten. And maybe they just need some afternoon after school care or something like that. It's much lower cost. Uh, a lot of times the parents, you know, want to celebrate. They, they want to increase the lifestyle. They want to buy a new car, uh, you know, anything like that. And some of that, are, you know, sure, it's OK if, if the situation warrants it uh, a little bit. Um, but in general, what I would recommend is just keep the same standard of living. You know, use those costs that you were going towards. Uh, the daycare and just put that into your 529 savings for college. Um, if you need to catch back up on some of your own retirement savings, that also would be an option, you know, so you you weren't able to really save for, for, for your own retirement while the kids were in daycare, you know, you're looking to move some of that money there and keep your lifestyle the same. Uh, so you're not having that lifestyle creep, um, which will detriment your savings.
0: Excellent. And, and, and starting early, I mean, if you don't have a ton of money, at least try to start early, right? I mean, because compound interest is in your favor that way.
1: Oh, it's huge! Yeah, it's I mean, it's it's, it's a wonder, it, you know, how that happens. It's just amazing. Uh, so, starting as early as you can, um, even if it's not a big amount, uh, then that's what you should do.
0: Excellent! Yeah, you use the the penny methodology in your book, where uh, a penny doubles every day for thirty days, and uh, obviously, it's a you know. Uh, a hyperbole of an example sure, but sure. at least it shows how compound interest can can make a big difference and at the end of the 30 days what is that like five million bucks or something like oh that. yeah yeah it's crazy <laughs> yeah
1: so it's, you know you never would have guessed that i think the the question is would you rather have a penny double each day or a million dollars and you know the penny double each day ends up being um quite a bit more than that million dollars after the month
0: so compound interest, everybody, get started early and uh, you know get it going, especially for for college because it's not it's not getting any cheaper. No, yeah. <laughs> All right, cool. So y- you mentioned uh, in your book that there are you have some clients that are paying off their student loans and at the same time contributing to a five twenty nine plan for ki- for their kids. That that statement just sounded like insanity to me. <laughs> that that college payment in some form can happen for what seems like 30 or 40 years. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Is there any way that people can get out of this insanity trap? (laughs) It's it's
1: tough. It's a tough situation to be in. Uh, You know, typically what I'm seeing is uh, the amount of student loan debt that folks are uh, leaving school with now, they don't want that for their own children. Uh, so as they're paying it off, they want to help save for their children's college so they don't have to go through that because uh, it does uh, end up uh, hindering, you know, you getting started on saving for your long term future after retirement and just ends up being kind of a, a weight that drags you down. So you don't want your kids to have that as well. Um, unfortunately, it's, it's one of those things where you really just got to buckle down, have a plan to pay off those student loans. So that you can start doing some other things uh, with your resources. Um, so, you know, if you once you have a plan and get get control uh, of those student loans, then you can look at saving for uh, your kids' uh, college as well with that 529. Um, but that's generally going to be the second focus after your own finances. Uh, one thing that I have used that I think is very helpful uh, is the Roth IRA, uh, which. Uh, in, in normal terms you're thinking of it as a saving for your own retirement uh, which that's the uh, you know the plan for that but if needed you could use some of those contributions to pay for your kids college um, so you could kind of, it's kind of a double whammy um, it kind of helps you and your kids um, but if you're say your kids end up getting scholarships or um, going to a lower-cost school that you don't need it then it's still there for your own retirement
0: and just to clarify for roth i r a that's contributions, not uh growth right I mean you can you can correct your contributions anytime
1: that's right. that's absolutely
0: right okay, okay, great uh you mentioned gifting appreciated stock uh as an option to pay for college. can you discuss the benefits of that strategy? yeah,
1: and this is a strategy that um I just recently came across here in the last year or two. Um, so I haven't really seen it used a ton. Um, you know, it, It's one of those times where if the parents have, say, that taxable investment account and have a lot of appreciated stock, you know, especially if they're at a high income tax bracket, uh, they're, you know, they don't want to sell and have to pay those gains. Um, so there's a strategy very similar to um, how the UTMA works uh, with gifting that appreciated stock to the child so that the child can then go on and pay for their own college. Huh. Um, so they can sell those because the basis transfers over to the kid and they can go and sell that stock and help them pay for college. And, you know, if they're working and a few other things, they can actually end up taking some of the college tax credits themselves. Huh. Um, so it's, it's an interesting uh, concept. Um, it, I haven't seen it used on a full force yet as far as, you know, a lot of people doing it. Uh, but it is out there for some of those in the very high tax income brackets.
0: Yeah, so I guess I guess maybe you hadn't seen it at times because people, if they're doing the five twenty nine, they're also investing in the market as well. Uh, so maybe that's the more traditional route for 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 college use.
1: Exactly. You know, I think you know it, traditionally it's the five twenty nine. So if you're doing that, that would work. But say your kid, you know, gets to that sophomore junior year in high school, you realize you didn't save enough in the five twenty nine, but you've got great income and great savings elsewhere, then this could be a strategy that comes into play to kind of help you in that last minute college uh, planning.
0: Great. Excellent. So if you transfer it to your child, the taxes aren't actually hit until they are sold and your child's pretty much at a lower tax bracket at that point anyway. Is that, is that exactly that's, that's the thought process. Yes. Got it. Got it. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. I mean that's, yes, that's that's one of the biggest colleges. costs is taxes, right? I mean taxes can can take a big bite.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. So it's taxes that they touch every aspect of financial planning. So I have a whole tax chapter in the book, but really I talk about taxes every single chapter, just because it's such a big uh, factor. And there's so many um, different ways that you can be more efficient with your taxes. Um, so that's where I, I, you know, a lot of people uh, that's. That resonates with them. That their ears perk up when you say tax savings.
0: Excellent. Well, I mean, with anything in life, whether it's with your health uh, or or just you know your relationships, um, or definitely your money, having a partner or a coach or somebody that can, you know, move you along, is is invaluable. So I wanted to talk a little bit about having a financial advisor. I know that's what you do. You share a statistic in your book uh, from Vanguard saying that. Working with an advisor can save you up to three percentage points of net value. Can you talk about how that's possible?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So it's a, it's a study done by Vanguard. Uh, it's been out for a few years now. And there's other companies that have done similar studies as well. But the, the whole premise of it is getting behind the um, basically the, the, the uh, behavior gap between uh, someone doing the investments themselves Or having that coach or financial advisor helping them along the way Uh, so that advisor uh, the way Vanguard breaks it out there's they come up with that three percentage points uh, as a metric of a few different uh, components so for example uh, that advisor helps them get in low-cost investments Uh, they give them appropriate asset allocation uh, regular rebalancing a withdrawal strategy uh, helping allocate between say their taxable account or 401k Roth IRA all those items Plus, the biggest one being just helping them adhere to their financial plan. Uh, So making sure that they stick to uh, the plan that was put in place that helps meet their goals and objectives. It's helping them not panic when the market uh, struggles and goes into turmoil. Uh, So that is actually 1.5% is what Vanguard says of that 3% is the advisor helping um, you know the the individual will stick to their plan, hmm. uh, so they, they give different allocations to to each uh, item, but that ends up being the biggest one.
0: So if you don't have that coach, you don't have that somebody that's sitting there with you when the markets have a tank and then they go back up, and you're feeling like selling. That's that's where a lot of the savings come from. It's it's having having the ability for somebody to say, "Calm down, everything's gonna be fine. You're in it for the long term."
1: Definitely, definitely. It's 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 uh it's you always think that you can do it yourself, and it's uh, when the time actually comes and it's your money on the line. Uh, it helps to have that, um, you know, that partner in place that's uh, helping you um, revert back to your financial plan and thinking of the bigger picture than what's just happening now in the news.
0: Uh, it makes a lot of sense, especially with the twenty four hour news all the time saying that the the world is falling or the sky is falling. <laughs> right, right, exactly. <laughs> All right, cool. So let's say people might have an interest in working with a a CFP, Certified Financial Planner, like yourself. Could you talk a little bit about how the the payment models work? I know there's, you know, percentage of, of assets under management and fee only. Could you explain what those even mean for people?
1: sure. Sure. Um, So, I'll start with fee only. Uh, So what that means is the advisor, it's how they're getting paid. Uh, So they're getting paid directly from their client and it's based on their advice solely. Uh, So uh, this would be as opposed to someone who's getting paid commissions um, for certain uh, products or funds that they're driving the client towards. Uh, So, basically, it's either um, uh, fee-only or commission. There's also fee-based, which is kind of a a mix of the two. Um, And then from there, uh, they can get, especially with fee-only, a lot of times the common model is getting uh, a percentage of assets under management. So, a percentage of the assets uh, held in that advisor's. Management is what their fee will go towards. Um, and sometimes that, you know, that fee is not just based on managing the investments that are also cover uh, some of these tax savings or the financial plan, making sure you have insurance, estate planning, all of that you know, sometimes gets comprised into one um, uh, percentage uh, as far as how they bill. Um, and then another common model is hourly. Uh, so a lot of times, especially how we do uh, financial plans is hourly. Um, so based on the complexity of that certain situation, uh, you may pay hourly uh, to have a financial plan done. Um, and then there are some advisors throughout the country where you could potentially look at setting up an hourly uh, engagement um, where you're, you know, almost picking their brain kind of thing. And they give a, a one over on your plan. Um, so that's not as common, but it's out there
0: or you could sometimes listen to a really cool podcast where you're talking to a really smart guy and you get some of that information too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um so no this this makes a lot of sense and uh, I think if if people Take advantage, or think of it as a coach, or think of it as somebody, especially with people with you know good financial savvy, or, or people without good financial savvy. You definitely need a coach to 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 walk you through the ins and outs of all this stuff. It's very complex. You know, I've been, you know, I, I consider myself a money guy, but I learned a lot just reading your book and 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 looking at the different ways where taxes can. You know, come into play and really take a bite out of uh, out of the hardworking income that we have. So, uh, I really appreciate you um, sharing that knowledge with us today. I-, I-, I wanted to ask a little bit about. Um, you know, as you're going through making recommendations for your clients, I've been reading a lot and and and, and investing in personally myself in a lot of index funds uh, because they seem like just sort of a, a safe way to get it done at a very low cost. What are your thoughts of being a, a CFP around index funds?
1: Yeah, yeah. So index funds are definitely known for their low cost, uh, kind of passive nature, where they're going to follow the market. Um, so it's certainly a, a tool that we use. Um, we also use other, you know, active funds as well. Uh, but passive income is, is – passive um, um, investments uh, in these index funds uh, has become very popular. Uh, in the previous years, you know, the, the transfer of funds from active over to index um, funds is is huge. Uh, so it's definitely a route that folks are going. Um, it, it kind of uh, – you know, you get your 401K and you got 25, 30 different options you don't know where to start you know there's different uh funds in international or u.s small cap and it's kind of overwhelming uh so a lot of times using the index funds could be a way uh to kind of you know you, you set it up so you got some in u.s some in international etc um you know based on your specific situation um but you kind of put it in that index fund and then it, you mimic the market is what your uh, returns will look like
0: excellent well um I wanted to ask you outside of your outside of your book that you have, which I which I'll definitely include in the show notes for everybody to uh, take a look at. Do you have any other books that were influential to you as you were, you know, getting started with your your journey and being a, a you know a new father or outside of college that got you excited about finance? Yeah,
1: yeah, actually. Um, so I'll give you two. Uh, so um, I actually have become a, a huge uh, reader in these financial books here in the last couple years. Uh, before that, though, um, you know, I, I wasn't as into it and I was certainly missing out. Uh, but I'll give you two that I've read here in the last year or so that I really like, uh, one being uh, The Behavior Gap by Carl Richards. Uh, so it actually, it reiterates a lot of that stuff that we talked about with the Vanguard study earlier mm-hmm. as far as uh, the behavior gap. Um, between um, especially the returns you'll see from the individual investor versus the fund itself uh, so I think it's a very um, uh, comprehensive read and a pretty uh, you know straightforward read for especially a new uh, investor to look at that, that uh, behavior gap and kind of learn what that's all about uh, the other book uh, really um, hits on a lot of the points that I touched on in my book uh, so this one is called the Legacy Journey uh, it's by Dave Ramsey. Um, so he uses this book to really, um, engage the reader in leaving that lasting impact, uh, whether it be financially, um, or just, um, other lessons or, uh, opportunities that, uh, you want your, uh, children and, and their children to learn from you, uh, going forward. So you kind of, you leave that legacy for the, uh, the next few generations.
0: Excellent. Well, I love that general thought of, of, all the hard work that we're going to be doing for our lives being something that our families can benefit from. I, th- I think that's fantastic, and I love that sentiment that you have both in your book and 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 I've also read Legacy Journey. It's a it's a great uh, it's a great book, and I've I've appreciated Dave Ramsey's work uh, for a long time as well. So um, <clears throat> we so. I wanted to ask you, we're kind of wrapping up right now, I wanted to see if you might be able to leave one thing. We talked about a lot of different areas today. (laughs) We talked about retirement planning, gifting, college planning, uh, overall just understanding how how to work with a financial advisor. What's one thing that we could leave the listeners with today that they could do today, some actionable advice uh, that they could improve their financial situation and leave a good legacy for their family?
1: Yeah, so so you're definitely right. There's a lot of stuff covered. um, And sometimes you got to get that one thing that really is going to have the most impact for you. Uh, So the subtitle of my book is How to Align Your Finances with Your Family Values. So I'd say that one thing is to determine your family's values, uh, whether you're a new family or, uh, you know, you're approaching retirement and you have a a large family tree. Uh, It's determining your family values and then build a financial plan. Around those values, uh, so it needs to be um, a, a plan that helps you live the way that you want your family to live, as far as utilizing your finances. Um, and it just takes sitting down and determining what those family values are.
0: I love it, man. That's great. That's that's you know, my wife and I get together once a month. We work on our our budget for the month, and we we yep. do that. We try to sit down and we we think about what are families all about what is what does the hill family want to do with their lives what what impact do we want to leave on this world what do we want to leave for our kids so exactly congratulations on everything that you're doing i love this conversation it's right up my alley <laughs> <laughs> if people are, are interested in learning more uh, about you maybe working with you as a cfp what's the best route for them to uh, to go
1: yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Andy. I really appreciate you uh, having me on, uh, the podcast. Uh, so you can find my book on Amazon. That's, that's the easiest place. Uh, and you can learn more about myself at, uh, financial which is my company. And, uh, you can also check out, we have a podcast as well on there. And then of course you can follow me on Twitter. Uh, so I, most active social media that I'm on. Uh, so any of those places, uh, I'd be happy to connect with you and, um, you know, see if we can uh, align some of those uh, values with your finances.
0: Perfect. Perfect. I'll put all those uh, links in the show notes. And again, man, congratulations on becoming a father for the first time later this year. I'm very excited for you. And I really appreciate you taking the time with us today. Yeah, thanks, Andy. Appreciate it. That was a great chat with Cameron. This this conversation is probably one that I'm going to have to look back on in a few years when Nicole and I get our retirement ducks in a row. We're rocking the 529 already, but we're definitely not going to be saving enough for the full four years at an in-state school for our kids. There's still time, obviously, um, you know, since they're only five and three, but again, we want to make sure our retirement is in a good spot first. The gifting strategies that Cameron spoke about, like gifting appreciated stocks or opening a UTMA for non-college expenses, like a down payment on a house or wedding, these are all super cool things that I'd love to do for my kids. And that would be, uh, be quite new information for me there. So thank you for that overview, Cameron. I hope we can pull that lever someday soon. Cameron left us with some excellent words of wisdom at the end of the show. Determine your family's values and build a financial plan around those values. Very motivating, if you ask me. So let me ask all of you. What are your family values? What do you value most? I'd love to hear from you all on this one. It's almost like it's almost like a family mission statement, right? <laughs> Please head over to marriagekidsandmoney.com slash session 52 to leave me a comment and let me know about your family values. I'd love to get some inspiration from all of you for my young family. I'm just starting out, man. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> at that same link, you can check out the resources and links mentioned in today's show, like Cameron's new book. Friends, I'm going to ask you to do me a salad. Connect with me on Twitter or Facebook today. I'm sharing a new podcast, a new blog article, and other personal finance gold every week on those social platforms. I'm at Andy Hill MKM on both Twitter and Facebook. But you can just search Marriage Kids and Money and you'll find me there through both of those platforms. See you in social media everybody. In the spirit of growth and inspiration, I'm going to end the show with a quote today from Jim Rohn. All good men and women must take responsibility to create legacies that will take the next generation to a level we can only imagine. Your action will determine your children's future, everyone. Carpe diem.